Hello and welcome back to Multimodal. I'm your host, Baxty Future. This is a podcast about GPT-3 multimodal AI models like DALI-2, the company OpenAI. In this podcast, I may talk about new OpenAI research and products. I may talk about my own research, my own ideas, my own products, or maybe perhaps even stuff going on in the community, uh, like the Eleutheri community, whatever that, whatever they got going on. Uh, I may, you know, talk about the news, but I may also definitely try to make sense of it from the perspective of a GPT-3 developer or perhaps a multimodal artist. I don't spend a lot of time talking about the past in this podcast. I barely spend time talking about today. This is a podcast about the future. I want to thank you for tuning into this week's episode of Multimodal. I apologize. It's been close to a month since I've last up to uploaded a podcast. Um, Part of the reason I haven't is I've just been busy, not just with personal life stuff, but also uploading other kinds of content elsewhere. If you follow me on my newsletter, bakztfuture.substack.com, on Twitter, at bakztfuture, as well as my YouTube, youtube.com slash bakztfuture, you know I've been busy just uh, uploading stuff, sharing my thoughts, keeping up with the developments in this space. Definitely, definitely, I post the most on Twitter, so make sure you follow me on there. I share a lot of, you know, research papers, interesting sort of smaller thoughts I have. Not everything makes it to the podcast. Not everything makes it to YouTube or the newsletter, but a lot of my original ideas in the raw form, they do start on Twitter. So make sure you follow me on there at BAKZT Future. Uh, today's episode is all about DALI 2. Uh, I already made a YouTube video talking about the announcement, so I'm just going to be providing some commentary. Uh I'm going to provide an update on DALI 2 access, like, you know, the waitlist and all that stuff. I'll be sharing what we know so far because I'm sure you're wondering, how can I get access? How can I try it? I'm sure you're aching to give DALI 2 a spin. Uh, I'm going to be talking about what I call pre-DALI. So what I mean by this is before you have access and you're on the waitlist, what can you be doing? What are some things you can be doing to prepare yourself, to stay busy, to have a productive time once you get access to it? I think too many people make the mistake of perhaps diving in a little bit too much. It doesn't hurt to do a little bit of research prior. I'm going to be sharing this pre-DALI stage and I'll also be talking about as somebody who had early access to GPT-3 as well as to OpenAI Codex. Uh, I'm also going to talk about once you do get access, how can you maximize your access? How can you make the most of, of this situation? Um, and, and sort of the lessons I've learned as, as a beta user for a few OpenAI products now, uh, I have some sort of insights that I, I think could be really beneficial to anybody looking to try DALI2 and, and just in general who's passionate about uh, large language model and multimodal products. Um, I'm going to talk about use cases, like perhaps, you know, when DALI 2 becomes, you know, something commercial, uh, perhaps how can you come up with use case ideas? How should you start thinking about it? And I'll also just be talking about what this means, the ripple effects of something like DALI 2. What does it mean for our space, for the tech space at large, perhaps the world? Uh, you know, I'll be talking about some of the, some of the original thoughts I have about what DALI 2 could, DALI 2 could mean for the future. Uh, so with that, a lot of ground to cover, as usual, on this podcast. Um, you know, and, and by the way, but uh, before we fully get started, I want to just mention I I was almost going to release another episode talking about Instruct GPT, <laughs> so like a third podcast about how great Instruct GPT is. Um, 
but you know i guess it's it's a nice change of rhythm change of pace something you know really refreshing for the podcast where i'm not talking about a stroke gpt or how much google search bothers me and uh so today we're gonna just be talking about dally too so let's get started uh so to start with so the dally 2 announcement um i just remember opening up twitter and just seeing a flurry of these high quality image generations for these ridiculous kinds of, of captions and mostly from OpenAI employees, but also their sort of uh, network at large. Um, I remember like not just my notifications blowing up, but also just seeing my feed uh, fill up with all these uh, cool art pieces uh, generated by Dali2. Uh, my first instinct was to, of course, inspect the images and certainly they were of a quality and character that I had never seen before from any of the other multimodal models that are out there, uh, whether that's Deep Dream or, uh, you know, VQ GAN and Clip. Um, uh, definitely, definitely, it was immediate to me. Uh, the sort of benefits that the announcement later outlined were, were there. Uh, sort of, you know, this idea of the proof is in the pudding. Uh, I was able to look at those images without even reading the announcement and sort of I knew right away that, wow, Dali 2 has probably come out. Uh, how did I know that? Well, the images were definitely high resolution. They were definitely feasible. The way elements were sort of composed and how they related to each other, it made sense. Usually within some physical reality, uh, you know, the the images and the content was quite clear. One unique thing was the textures. The textures were so high quality for whatever it was, whether it was an illustration or a character design or something hyper-realistic. Certainly the hyper-realistic stuff was something the multimodal space has never seen before. Um, and and sort of the the quality of whatever it was generated was just, just mind-blowing, just awesome. And some of the creativity I was seeing from something like Dali 2 uh, was, was equally impressive. And so... Uh, I already had the YouTube video, like I mentioned, of the announcement walkthrough. I think the key ideas are uh, Dally 2 is something they're releasing. Uh, there's a wait list. I'm going to put the link to the wait list in the description below. You can edit stuff, you know, and sort of perhaps rearrange it. Um, it. It generates multiple options that you can choose from that are high resolution. And because it's diffusion based, it's also faster. So uh, so far, just to put a window into what we know so far about Dali 2, uh, we know it's faster. We know it offers high resolution images. We know that it gives you multiple options to choose from. Hope you're with me so far. And uh, I also heard that it's only available as a web UI thing on the OpenAI platform. It's not yet available as an API option. Uh, so it's there just to try. Um, and so obviously my, my, just my main takeaway for the Dali 2 announcement, I was just mind blown. This is something that I still felt was perhaps uh, a year away, uh, certainly not this high quality. Um, and, you know, to show people outside of not just this AI space, but also the tech community, they were also just, you know, their jaws were on the floor that this is something that computers can do for us today that we can simply type in an image, uh, type in a text description and get back this high quality image. Uh, and I, I, I think already what we're seeing two weeks into Dali 2, I, I think the real limitation is human imagination. Uh, what will you come up with? And, and you know, uh, what what do you dare to, to, to dream and basically type up into Dali 2? 
Um, and I, I certainly think, you know, some people will have a knack for this. I think some people are far more imaginative and will sort of leverage these models better than other people. Um, and perhaps there, there, you know, there is some, uh, artistry element to it as well. So I'll be talking more later in this podcast, uh, you know, as from that artistry perspective, how should you be thinking about it? But anyways, it was just a awesome announcement. Uh, you know, it sort of broke Twitter. I feel, especially if you're in the large language model, multimodal AI, and perhaps the tech community space at large. Um, so with regards to access to be absolutely clear, I run a podcast called multimodal. I also made a YouTube series last year called GPTX DALI and our multimodal future talking about what something like DALI 2 could mean for the future of creativity. I did both those things. Even I don't have access to DALI 2. Um, and so I'm waiting. I, I did have sort of a touch point with OpenAI. I, I think what's clear is two things. Number one, uh, it, it is a safety concern. Uh, you know, with DALI 2, there's a lot of possibilities for this to go downhill for it to be dangerous for it to be used in all of these nefarious ways and at the same time OpenAI has been quite clear it's only OpenAI employees as well as some select members who have access to it right now um and so i can see to to some extent why i don't have access um i i also sam altman the ceo of of OpenAI uh was basically he mentioned yesterday when somebody asked him how is dally 2 how's that waitlist going to work he wrote we are adding several hundred users per week now and will ramp up significantly in a few weeks. Uh, there are still a lot of problems, but we are working hard to improve. So uh, that was, a, I'm going to put the link to that tweet below. It seems to me like it's, you know, you know, not just a safety thing, maybe a little technical piece. And they are working to ramp it up. I don't think they're making this up. Uh, you know, like, uh, you know, OpenAI has opened up GPT-3 fully right anybody can just sign up and use it now it did take them a while to get there but i think since they've done it once already for something like gpt3 i think perhaps they will perhaps figure out this technical stuff too a lot sooner now don't get me wrong dally 2 is still multimodal i imagine it's far more compute and inference expensive than something like gpt3 but i'm optimistic that perhaps these technical hurdles can be solved a lot sooner and they, I don't think they ever said something like this for GPT-3, at least publicly. <laughs> and so I would, I would, you know, take it, uh, I would, I would, you know, give them the benefit of the doubt here and assume that if you are on the DALI-2 waitlist, hopefully soon, uh, maybe, maybe within, I, I don't want to give a time frame, but hopefully soon you, you will also be able to get access and give it a spin. And if it makes you feel any better, even I don't have access to DALI-2 still, it's been two weeks, I'm still waiting. Um, so now I want to talk about pre Dally. So, um, I, I guess like, uh, my, my, so if you're interested in, uh, trying Dally two and maximizing this experience, what can you do now while you're on the wait list? Well, my first thing is I recommend you try out the existing multimodal text to image generation notebooks that are out there. Like, feel free, try out VQ GAN and clip. I've heard heard and seen great things from Disco Diffusion. Um, in fact, I uh, recently shared a, a tweet where somebody compared Dally 2 to Disco Diffusion prompt by prompt. And Disco Diffusion is, is pretty impressive. Um, so if, if you're aching to try out some of this stuff, 
you want to get practice um, and you're just also maybe curious, uh, give Disco Diffusion a spin. Now, what what you want to keep in mind, though, is I suspect Dally 2 is, is still orders of magnitude better, faster, easier, more fun to use. But that's one thing you can do in the meantime. The other way I would start thinking about it is um, I would start coming up with a list of different image prompts that I would enter once I get access to Dally 2. Different areas of interest. Um, and sort of the main thing is to write all these things down so that once you get access, you're ready to go. I would come up with experiments that I want to try with Dally 2, perhaps in different creative areas. So I'm going to put a link, but uh, Bram put out a great uh, quick article on his Substack about you know his findings with Dally 2 so far. He was uh, experimenting with photography. Like if I enter in Dally 2 different lens types, uh, what kinds of uh, what kinds of outputs will I get from Dally 2, right? So the way I would think about it is what are the different creative areas, especially obviously the visual ones, um, and, and where can I explore? You can also start thinking artistically. Is there a certain kind of art genre or a period in art that interests you, a certain art style? Uh, are there certain kinds of uh, natural scenes? Are there certain kinds of things you want to do, right? Certainly one of the more promising areas of Dali 2 is product design, right? So I would just not keep just sitting around and complaining that I don't have access to Dali 2. At minimum, I would start writing down what are the different uh, product design areas I want to explore? What kinds of products? Can I download some sample images so that I even have my images ready to go that I could feed into Dali once I get access, right? Um, what kinds of prompts? Uh, and, and maybe you should start thinking about what kinds of modifiers you might use, right? And so modifiers is a term I'm using. I'm, I'm not quite sure what the official term is, but uh, a modifier is basically in your prompt you might put in this keyword, which sort of uh, tries to get Dali 2 to portray the image in a certain way. So some really common modifiers I see are like hyper-realistic or Unreal Engine, right? So just by putting in Unreal Engine, the the prompt in, in your prompt, the image may become 3D, right? Um, by putting a certain kinds of a lens type as a modifier in your prompt, you might get back at DALI generation with, with that lens sort of perspective. And so I would start researching uh, different modifiers. Certainly the most common modifier is a specific artist. So my favorite artist has always been Sid Mead. He's a futurist artist. He did a lot of the concept art for some of the you know greatest sci-fi movies of all time. I'm noticing a lot of people in their prompts uh, basically type in, you know, like a scene, like a futuristic car, in the style, in the art style of Sid Mead, right? So right now you can also start researching artists to use as your modifiers. Research different areas in art history to use as modifiers. And perhaps just explore the different world of uh, image-based content that is out there and discover clever new kinds of modifiers nobody else in the community has thought of before. Um, I, and, and, you know, shout out to Paul. He's the co-founder of copy AI. Um, I saw a tweet today where he literally went to the library and he's researching art history so he can learn more, uh, in order to improve his skills as not just a co-founder of a successful 
GPT-3 based startup, shout out to Paul, but also just as an artist. And so this pre-DALI stage is really important. There's lots you can do. And I suspect with, you know, a good working amount of research, good practice, good uh, preparation, you can get more benefit out of DALI 2 than somebody who's maybe had DALI 2 access for like a week or two now. And uh, the way I'm sort of organizing my notes for how I'm going to use DALI 2, I'm using a, a website program called Notion. Uh, this is an awesome note-taking writing software. I'm not going to be going into the details of Notion. I think a lot of people know about Notion up to this point, but that's just my tool of preference for, for how I'm sort of organizing my own pre-DALI sort of plan, my own process for when I get access to DALI 2. Um, once you get access, right? So now this is this is also important. You have it in writing, right? And so... Uh, sort of, uh, the main thing is I, I find, you know, having, you know, having, having had access to GPT-3 early on, as well as having access to OpenAI Codex and other products, I find it's really helpful to be very structured and take really good notes when you first start using these AI-based systems. So, for example, with all my experiments of GPT-3, I take very detailed notes. This is the prompt. This is what I entered. This is what I got back. I changed it to this and I got this. This is what I got back. And I find that all these things, whether that's OpenAI Codex, GPT-3, DALI-2, they're a lot like musical instruments. So if you've ever played a musical instrument, you know there's a difference between an unfocused practice session and a very focused one that is structured. And so my recommendation is for DALI-2, uh, have structured sessions once you get access. Don't just fool around. I think there's a role for that. Maybe after a focus session, maybe for 10 minutes, you just try stuff. But I, I actually find it's better to experiment stuff, record your findings into a program like Notion, take screenshots, paste those screenshots, save those images in there, and sort of explore and experiment in a very thoughtful way, in a very meticulous way. And then that way, not only will you be able to understand and understand your process, improve your skills, but also you'll be able to share your findings with others, as well as just continue to, to grow and expand. But what you don't want is a situation where you just type in whatever for 30 minutes and then get bored and then never practice, never improve, never get better, or not even understand how did you get such cool results in the first place. So once you get access, that's my first recommendation. The other reason I really recommend taking good notes when you first get access to these systems, what you often find is the systems get better, maybe six months or a year later. So one of my biggest regrets for GPT-3, I had tried a lot of things, I had taken some notes, but you know, in the beginning, GPT-3 was just not able to do a lot of the things that I had tried on the OpenAI platform. What I the mistake I made was not writing down the things that didn't work or writing down all the things I tried. And the reason that was a mistake is, you know, years later when OpenAI announced fine tuning, when they when they launched Instruct GPT, uh, they've recently updated the GPT-3 model with more recent data. When all these things happened, I couldn't retry my experiments. Uh, and so maybe a lot of the brilliant ideas that I had, which could be potential opportunities for GPT-3 or awesome use cases, um, at the time they weren't possible, but literally six months to a year later, they may have been. 
I would never know, <laughs> right? And so you can't duplicate that initial first experience. You can't duplicate that initial rush of ideas you may have for these kinds of products, right? So you wanna jot down, like I'm doing, as much as possible, all the different ideas, all the things you think it could do, what you would love to try, different experiments, um, because if it can't do it today, I think odds are maybe within six months, a year, two years, definitely five years, it will probably be able to do that. And so if you have it in writing, you can refer back to it and see and perhaps benefit from it years later as the capabilities improve. Um, and so uh, start, uh, yeah, I, I think my, my main point is once you get access, take notes, you know, have, have good notes. And also you'll have those notes as reference as the capabilities improve over time. And I think one other mistake I've made as, as a GPT-3 developer in the past, um, I, I, I didn't spend enough time focusing on, you know, a few categories or key areas that really interest me. Um, I think there's something about artists, some of the greatest artists just sort of found some area that they're just drawn to and they just practiced at it. They just explored it more than anybody else. They found a way to be different and make it work overall. Um, and so I, I really recommend once you get access to DALI 2 is, is to sort of indulge yourself, sort of uh, find, find something that un unusually interests you and really explore that area as well. Note-taking is good from a broader perspective. Um, but I think sort of like artists have a signature look, you know, they explore different things, they try different things. Um, I think what I'm just saying is, you know, give yourself a license to also explore these specific segments as well. Um, finally, I want to just reference a, a brief book. It's it's called like, uh, I believe it's called Why Greatness Cannot Be Planned by Kenneth Stanley. Um, you know, he's an AI researcher. He had this incredible uh, you know, uh, website called pick breeder. It was part of a research study. And, and the basic idea was, you know, these evolution, this evolutionary algorithm would generate cool images and people would just curate what images they like at each step of the way. And they could sort of branch off these images. And what he found is after a few generations of images, uh, you know, it would go from some blob that looks like nothing to like maybe an eyeball. And then two generations later, it looks like this awesome car. And so the point of the book, why 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 greatness cannot be planned, um, is it's sort of like, uh, you know, some of the craziest results we see um, are the result of these stepping stones we never would have expected. And, you know, it's this book says a lot about the discovery process, like what, um, how some great things have some you know, unusual stepping stones in order to get there. Um, and it has a lot of lessons about, you know, creativity, entrepreneurship, art, design, um, as well as, you know, it's a big criticism of the AI world as well. But the main reason I want to share this is I think with DALI 2, uh, we have a similar idea. Like I think um, you might start off with a certain kind of prompt you really explore it. It takes you one place, then you explore it further, try something slightly different. You might pass it off to a friend. They add on it, you know, they riff on it. Um, and by the end, it's something completely different the world hasn't seen before. So 
that's something as well that I, I think I'd put on your radar. It's a relevant book. And actually, I believe the author, Kenneth Stanley, now even works at OpenAI. I, I don't think he's involved necessarily in the on the DALI team, but I just think the book is relevant. Uh, DALI too, I, I think, is a huge experiment at scale uh, about you know different people having access to these things, this, this AI program that can generate art for you. Uh, what kinds of cool art will we see? You know, we're, we're definitely only scratching the surface of what's possible here. Now, when it comes to use cases, so we we don't know yet what uh, OpenAI's plan is. So far, it's not available uh, through the through the API. I, I'm not sure if you can commercialize DALI yet, how far away that is. Um, the main thing I think we learned from the first generation of GPT-3 businesses, uh, they, they're sort of, I believe, use case first uh, products and, and startups, basically. I wrote a whole Substack article called like how to generate GPT-3 startup ideas. And I had another subsequent, you know, yeah, post as well on how to build a GPT-3 startup monopoly. I'm going to put the links to both those articles below. But basically, basically, I, I think the way you could build a business out of DALI-2 is a lot like how you could build a business out of uh, GPT-3. You need to find a specific scenario where DALI 2 does really well, reliably. And if it can do those specific scenarios, uh, then you need to sort of match that. Hopefully there's an audience there that specifically needs this. Ideally, they need it a few times a day. Um, and uh, if you are able to find an audience and a use case, uh, then it's just a matter of putting it out there. And the good news is integrating stuff like GPT-3 and DALI 2 uh, it doesn't take much time. Like in the past, the AI part was the hardest part uh, for building a startup. Now the, you know, that AI part is just an API call. <laughs> and so you can build a really quick prototype that tests it and see if people will pay. Um, <clears throat> there may be other ways too, whether that's NFTs, whether that's, you know, just being an artist and using something like Dali to perhaps getting a Patreon going that you may be able to monetize that way. Um, I think, you know, we'll, there's going to be a whole renaissance of new kinds of creative tools, right? So imagine a logo generator built on top of DALI 2. Um, imagine something which can generate custom fonts, maybe not based on DALI 2, but based on some other kind of multimodal engine. Uh, you know, it'll, it'll be uh, a lot simpler to use than something like Photoshop or Illustrator. You know, these tools have required you to pick up these skills for so long now. Uh, that, you know, I think a lot of people with ideas who are, who may have been creative because they didn't know these tools, they didn't fully get to express themselves. Now, I think there will be a, a new class of creative tools where everyday people can just enter stuff and pick stuff they like, or, you know, iterate on it or, or take it wherever they want to go without having to learn things like Photoshop or Illustrator. So when it comes to use cases, commercialization, that's what I would be thinking about. Um, now, something like DALI 2 certainly has a, a few ripple effects. So I recently put out a piece on Substack about how I think we'll see more kinds of futuristic art. Um, this kind of unique situation where uh, the tech community can potentially all be artists <laughs> has never happened before in history. And, you know, I'm quite critical in a way of pop culture and, you know, a lot of the blockbusters, they always portray some kind of dystopia. Um, I'm excited for technologists to have access to these tools to uh, perhaps uh, create art because I, I think we may get some more representation 
in art and media, and it may actually be more inclined to a utopian, futuristic take of the future, not just something that makes you lose hope and faith in the future. Um, so one sort of ripple effect was was just I think we may see more kinds of futuristic, optimistic art. Um, another big ripple effect of DALI 2, I think we'll see a change in the essentially the OpenAI community. Um, I depending upon how much more usage something like DALI 2 gets compared to GPT-3 or OpenAI Codex, I'm not sure if it will get more usage, right? Uh, but I think it's possible. Um, I definitely think it'll bring a different kind of user to the OpenAI community, definitely on the forums. Um, you know, certainly, and I'm, you know, I'm generalizing here, but certainly artists are, are you know, definitely fun and noticeable <laughs> when they enter these communities. Um, they have a different worldview. They have, you know, different, uh, different things. They, you know, they may have different kinds of questions on the community forums. And uh, perhaps they may even outnumber the original GPT-3 developers or the Codex users. Um, and I, I, I actually think this, you know, this forum and space uh, may actually be a really unique, interesting, interdisciplinary kind of space that we've just never seen before. Coders and artists hanging out in the same place using the same tools. Uh, perhaps the coders will become more like artists and the artists may become more like coders. I, I, I genuinely don't know. Um, but definitely, definitely culturally, uh, the community will change as a result of this change in its composition. And I think this is just a, a really, really, really interesting thing to think about. Um, uh, this is definitely all the, uh, all definitely just the beginning of, of something much bigger. So, uh, last summer, I put out a series, GPTX, DALI, and our multimodal future. I encourage you to check it out. It's all available for free, 19 videos which talk about what something like DALI 2 could mean for the future of creativity. I'm so excited for this series because now that DALI 2 is out, I can't think of anything more relevant. I'm sure many people are wondering, what does something like DALI 2, what could it mean for the future? Um but I, I, I think it's all the start of something bigger. My series talks about all the things it could mean. Uh, for example, uh, in the last video, I, I sort of shared this, this insight that I had that perhaps some of the, some of the best users of something like DALI 2, perhaps when it's safe, will be kids uh, because they're more imaginative and it's so easily usable and they'll come up with all these ideas that boring adults would never think of. Um, I, I, uh, I definitely think it would, you know, focus on composition, right? Looking at your picture overall, because you don't need to worry about these details. That's a huge possibility. Uh, the first, you know, video in that series talks about, um, yeah, mixing and texturing this idea of combining two different things. This is something that multimodal tools will allow us to do. And certainly this is what we're seeing with DALI 2. People are just combining really interesting things, right? An astronaut, riding a horse on the moon, right? Um, uh, and one of the other things I've been thinking about, um, so, and I'm going to put this hopefully as a Substack piece. I don't even have a word for it yet, but um, one of the features that DALI 2 has is basically you can uh, give it an, an image and it will generate uh, a variation of it that's slightly different but still has the essence of the original image that has that similar kind of vibe. It looks kind of like a, uh, kind of like it's inspired by it, 
but different enough. Um, and uh, I just think like uh, it's this idea of sort of taking advantage of the latent space. Um, that's something like Dali 2 may pick up on an image. Um, this could become a huge foundation of multimodal creativity in the future. Uh, in a way, I, I kind of think it's it's a it's an easy way of dodging sort of copyright concerns, but also uh, without it, you could have even greater egregious uh, forms of copyright breach, right? Um, but I think the the larger idea is you could take something you like, put it in, get a variation going, and then build on it, remix it, make it your own, uh, take that and combine it with something else and make it even more awesome. And so this kind of concept, you know, this process I'm describing of see something you like, get a variation of it going, make it different, make it awesome. I'm still trying to find a word for it. Um, but creatively, I think this just accelerates this idea of, of mixing and building upon the work of others, being inspired by others. And, you know, we all know uh, Picasso's favorite uh, famous saying, uh, good artists copy, great artists steal, something like that. This is that on a whole nother level. And I'm going to put out in the Substack post, but I think, you know, we're barely scratching the surface of understanding what all of this even is. Um, but this could be sort of one of the pillars of something much, much bigger that will have serious ripple effects, I feel. So right now it's all still pretty raw. But I just also wanted to share that, that this is something I'm thinking about. I would love to read in the comments below. What do you think? Are there other examples of this throughout uh, history? I'm, I'm thinking of music, people sampling other people's music. This may be sampling at a bigger scale. Um, this may even be like writing an essay where your teacher tells you put it in your own words, right? And as a combination of putting enough stuff in your own words, it becomes something new and different. Um, anyways, just, just something to, to think about. Um, so anyways, uh, that's, that's all I have for today, but believe me, I have more Dally 2 stuff. Uh, this is episode one of many more, uh, going forward. The podcast may have more frequent uploads, not even once a week. You may see a few a week. Um, I've definitely been planning my own content. I'm still waiting for access. Once I get access, I'm probably going to put out a podcast episode, even sharing my first impressions. So Anyways, now is the time. Make sure you're subscribed on the YouTube, youtube.com slash B-A-K-Z-T future. This podcast, Multimodal by Backstreet Future, is available everywhere. Stitcher FM, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Pocket Casts, you name it. Spotify, it's there. Make sure you are subscribed. Make sure you have notifications on for the podcast. You get notified when something drops. Make sure you set it to add to your queue. So it auto-downloads and it's there right at the top whenever I drop something new. Uh, the podcast is, is going to be accelerating. Uh, you know, uh, I've never been more excited. I have so many thoughts and stuff. I'll be putting out a lot of videos. So the podcast will give me a, give me a chance to even just reflect and share and provide sort of behind the scenes kind of stuff, provide more commentary. Uh, so make sure you're subscribed, make sure you follow me on Twitter at B-A-K-Z-T future. And you know, my newsletter by now, I've already mentioned it. And I'm going to put the link in the show notes and description below. So Anyways, to close things out, I'm I'm still waiting for Dali 2 access. I'm super excited. In this episode, I talked about the announcement provided commentary. I talked about the waitlist. I talked about how you should be thinking about it before you have access. 
I, I sort of talked about how you can maximize your beta access once you do get access to DALI 2. Uh, I, I started putting this idea of use cases, perhaps building a startup around DALI 2. Uh, and I talked about the, the big, big ripple effects that I'm already seeing. This is just scratching the surface, but it's super, super exciting. Anyways, thank you so much for tuning into this week's episode. I'll catch you the next one. Bye.